Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Lower League Show. It is a strange episode today because it's actually not going live on radio because we had a few complications in the studio yesterday. So I am your host, Jack Goodwin, and we are going to be releasing this one strictly as a podcast. And once again, I am honoured to be joined by the legendary... Uh, Lewis Walsh. Lewis Walsh, how are you? Uh, good afternoon, Jack. Yes, I'm feeling good, thank you. Yes, and uh, it's been an interesting week in the EFL, hasn't it? And let's look at that uh, late game that was played on Saturday evening between Leeds United and Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest winning the game 2-0 uh, with a late goal coming from Tyler Walker for Forest to win the game. It really has changed the, the, the top of the championship up, hasn't it? Absolutely. There's all of a sudden a new dynamic where you've got... Um, two or three sides that all of a sudden can look at that um, second automatic promotion place. Obviously, Fulham, they're level with Leeds on points now. Then you've got Nottingham Forest and Brentford, who were uh, just one and two points behind. And then, if you look even further back, you've got Preston and Bristol City, who are maybe looking at that second promotion place as still attainable. Of course, they're only five points behind, so... Yeah, it, it's getting really tight up there. I mean, it, it isn't called the best league in the world or the most exciting league in the world for no reason at all. Um, so, but let's let's centre in on Leeds United. It was a disappointing display from them, wasn't it? And it is it been a trend from their last few games. I mean, they've lost four of the last six games, only one win in the last seven. It's it's been a worrying trend of form for Leeds, hasn't it? Absolutely, and as much as everyone jokes about Leeds falling apart again, you have to look at that and wonder what's going on. Um, they've All of a sudden, they've stopped even scoring goals. Um, and as you say, it is quite worrying for them because now they're looking at the possibility of the playoffs. So even worse, they could maybe not even make that top six up whatsoever. Well, yeah, I mean... Marcelo Bielsa in his uh, press match conference after the Forest game said, we're not doing anything differently. We're playing the same as we always have done. We're creating the same amount of chances, but they're not getting the just rewards. Um, I watched that game mm. and Forest absolutely dominated them. There was six shots on target from Forest, one shot on target for Leeds United. And even though Leeds were the better team with the ball, they just couldn't create the opportunities and get behind uh, behind the resilient Forest backline. Mm. Absolutely. And... Um... You say about um, Bielsa's stubbornness, it almost in way. Like, let's not kid ourselves here. He's probably one of the best managers in the world, but he does. And sure, he's using what's worked for Leeds in the past, and but he does need to start looking at what changes he could perhaps made. Maybe look at what tweaks he could make. Um, there is the suggestion that the that the squad just could be burnt out from the intensity that Leeds play at. So. There's just a few things that Leeds might need to reevaluate if they want to get the season back on track. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a bit worrying for Leeds, but the, the positive is they're still second in the league. They've still got a lot of time uh, to change the season around 15 games left of the season. Um, one particular player that has got rave reviews this season is on loan from Brighton Hoven Albion is Ben White. How impressed have you been by him this season? Oh, I, I've... I wouldn't like to say I've adored a Leeds United player, but I've been really, really impressed with him. It's not like he's just suddenly come out of the blue either. Like he was at Peterborough United last season and he was impressing there. Um Marcelo Bielsa obviously loved taking notice of that and to Ben White's credit he has come in um and really, really looked looked established in that Leeds lineup. Um 
It was it, it was actually like, sorry to put in there, but on the weekend he actually played in a different position. He played just in front of Luke Aylin mm. and Cooper and played in the holding midfielder role. Um, a few fans criticised Bielsa for making that decision. Do you think that was a strange one for him to do? It's maybe a little bit strange in terms of going against what's worked for him so far, but it's not like it's a completely alien position for uh, Wyatt. Again, going back to his time at Peterborough, there were times that he was played in that sort of defensive midfield role and it and he worked there as well. So maybe it's just a case of being able to reevaluating what worked um for White last season and seeing if he can be just as effective in that position for Leeds. So obviously Leeds United have been on a poor run of form, uh, which is fair to say. Mm. What is their weak point in their team? What is what is not up to the standard? Because this team, you look at it, the way they play, they went and played Arsenal in the FA Cup, a strong Arsenal side, and they gave them a really good game. They look like a Premier League side, but what is holding them back from being that Premier League side? It's just like what I think I was saying earlier about them just burning out quite easily. Like You look back at that Arsenal game and they were all over them in that first half and you would have thought Arsenal were the championship side in that game. But I think just... you. Can- you can't keep playing at that intensity intensity for 90 minutes, uh, particularly as a championship side, um, which I think that's what their weakness is. Um, obviously, once they start to burn out towards the end of the game, sides are able to just hit them on the counter, and that's just what that's just what their weakness is, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, Marcelo Bielsa in particular has earned rave reviews for what he's done at Ellen Road. Um since they've been relegated at this stage of the season, this is the highest they've been uh, in the championship. So, if they don't go up this season, does Bielsa remain for a third season or does he go? I think it's completely up to Bielsa himself. Um, I think I said maybe on the first or second edition that he's treated like a god in Leeds. Mm. Um, there are one or two questioning some of his decisions at the moment, but I don't think they'd want to see him leave at all, purely because he's the best manager Leeds could have at the moment so again if he leaves it will be completely of his own will um, and uh, I think that he probably will stay He'll, I can see him wanting to achieve that goal of getting Leeds into the Premier League and where he goes from there we'll, we'll just have to see yeah one thing uh, staying on the Leeds topic one thing with Leeds United is that they seem to have a reliance on young players, especially when they're bringing them off the bench mm. the likes of Jamie Shackleton Leif Davis uh, Tyler Roberts um, Jordan Stevens. These are all young players. A lot of them that are, are actually leads come through the lead system. Do you think an over reliance on young players is letting them down this season? That they've not really got the sort of star quality to bring off the bench that the likes of West Brom or Fulham have. Um, well, I'd like to start on a bit of a positive with that one. Obviously, saying about Leeds United Academy to be able to have those young players already in and around the first team and being used as options to change the game by the manager is just just showing that how uh, the quality of the youth coaching at Leeds at the moment but I do think you need to find that right sort of balance between youth and experience um, I do think it is a little bit of a cliche to say that oh they know the championship but you do need that little bit mm. of experience I think but at the same time you need to make sure that you don't become riddled with aged players, particularly with the intensity leads play at, because they just won't be able to manage that. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about Leeds, the losing side. Let's touch on the winning side. Let's give them a bit of praise as well. Nottingham Forest, the flying high at the moment, fourth in the league. 
they've been up towards the playoffs. They've been in and around the playoffs the whole season. But no one's really said they are serious top two contenders. But the one point off, they've lost. Uh, they've, they've lost the second amount, least amount of games uh, with only West Brom losing uh, lesser, and they've got the one of the most resilient defenses in the league with only leaking thirty goals this season. Um, can Nottingham Forest do it? Can they get top two, or is it a case of playoffs for them? I think it's just a case of waiting to see what happens with Leeds. If they um, if they continue this downward spiral, then yeah, um, the top two certainly isn't with it, is within reach for Forest, and it's just testament to the good work Sabri, uh, Sabri Lamucci has done at that club since coming in. Mm, and and there's a crazy stat, um, which I'm sure you've heard, that manager-wise for Nottingham Forest, they have not started a season with a manager and kept him all the way through the season. So a manager has not seen the whole season through mm. for a decade now. That is 10 years. The last one was Billy Davis, former Preston North End manager. Will Sabri Lamucci see it through, or if he goes through a bad run, will he get sacked? Um, no, I think we could finally see a Nottingham Forest manager uh, see a season out. Um, I do think he is the right man to bring them that stability that they've been crying out for the last 10 seasons. Um, and... Certainly, if he if he does leave, it would be of teams looking to seek his services rather than Forest wanting to pull the trigger. Hmm. And um, there's one player in particular that you can pigeonhole as a as a, a crucial part of Nottingham Forest's season this year. They started with Murich on loan from Man City in goal, but ever since then, after he made a couple of mistakes, Bryce Sambers come in and played for Nottingham Forest, the Congo international. He started 27 of their games, and. He's just been a fantastic figure for them in, in not only apparently in the dressing room, apparently he's got a great attitude and character, but also when he's playing on the pitch, he's such a huge presence. I, I don't know how tall he is, um, but he, he is massive when watching him and he he he, he guard he proper guards that, that that his area in his box. So do you think Bryce Samba um has been the standout player for Forrest, or would you say any other players would have been as well? Um, I think you're right there. I would say that he's a standout player from this season. Um, I got to watch him in person against Blackburn Rovers in around September or October, and he might have pulled off one of the best saves I've ever seen live. He's that good of a player. Um, what save was that? Uh, I can't remember it now. I just, just remember it being a shot from Blackburn that looked certain to go mm. in, and he just... Against all odds, pulled off this absolute world class. He's huge, isn't he? He must have a massive reach. I know. Um, to say that Forrest start wanted to start the season with the keeper on loan from City, he's really come into into the fold. Um, and to say he's only twenty five as well, he could have a good career ahead of him. Yeah, I mean he certainly could. Um, let's stick with Nottingham Forest. They're playing tonight against Charlton Athletic. Um, Charlton Athletic have been on a, a worrying run, haven't they? Um, I believe it's only three wins in the last 24 games for Charlton. Mm. They're now just above the relegation zone. It's it's not looking too promising for them, even though they did get a new owner in. It looks like they could be in danger of relegation. Are you surprised? I think, um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I, I mean, we can't take away the fact that Charlton started the season like a house on fire which is testament to how good of a manager Lee Bowyer is, but I do think the takeover might have come a bit too late to um, get to sort anything out in the transfer window properly. Uh, obviously, there is that feel-good factor at the club again now that Roland Duchelet 
has left the club. Um, but I think if they do, even if they do go down, I think they'll be one of the top sides in League One for sure. Mm. And I mean, you're looking at the table now, Charlton are just above the relegation zone. You've got Wigan, Barnsley, Luton, arguably Stoke, Huddersfield, Middlesbrough, and QPR are all in the thick of it, really. If you had to pick three teams now off the cuff, who would you go for? I think I'd stick with the bottom three as it is at the moment. Um, Wigan, uh, OK, the form's not been the greatest, sure. They've picked up two huge wins in Sheffield Wednesday and Leeds recently. Um, but they've just not really looked a good enough side for me to stay in the Championship. Um, Barnsley and Luton, I just think they're too far adrift at this point to mount serious ambitions of staying in the league. Hmm. And um, obviously, we've got 12 games coming up this midweek. I'm going to show you all the games now. Yeah. And obviously, all the games will be on TV uh, for people to watch. Which game just stands out to you as the one that everyone should watch? Which one's the most exciting one out of them? Brentford v Leeds by an absolute mile, I'd say. Uh, it's a real... A real top of the table clash. Well, not exactly top of the table, but it's at the higher end mm. of the table. Um, again, as we touched on earlier, Brentford only being two points off Leeds, that could have huge implications on that race for the second automatic promotion place. Um, so I think for sure, almost everyone should be keeping their eyes on that game. Well, it is the informed team Brentford going up against the out of form. Leeds United. We've touched on Brentford in previous shows, but they they are doing some superb stuff at Griffin Park. Their last year at Griffin Park, and it would be it will be momentous for them to get promoted up to the Premier League in their final season at, at their old famous stadium, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, it, as you say, it would be the perfect see off for their ground to um, be able to finally achieve promotion to the top flight uh, there. Um, but I think at the same time, it it does just show how good things are at Brentford behind the scenes at the moment. Um, Thomas Frank, he had been questioned in the past, mm. but I do think, given how they've played this season, he is the perfect figurehead for their for their system at the moment. Mm, yeah, he's uh, certainly doing some good stuff with Brentford uh, down in London. Let's move on to the third division now, and arguably one of the most exciting leagues there is. I mean, Ipswich have... The Ipswich are the team that have spent the most amount of time at the top of the league, um, but they're now outside the playoffs. Mm. What is what has happened there, well, Lewis? Well, for some reason, they've just fallen apart after they gave Paul Lambert a mega five-year contract in January. Um, they've um, It's just not worked for them recently. Um, I think the standout result within their last couple of games is that 4-1 loss to Peterborough United. I know we're talking about them a lot this year, but sure, with Peterborough's resurgence, given that Ipswich are the favourites, that result should not be happening whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, Ipswich Town, you arguably say who's got the strongest sides in the league. It's probably Ipswich and Sunderland, isn't it? Ipswich, maybe Sunderland... um, I'd be tempted to say Peterborough, you know. Peterborough? Yeah. See, I wouldn't. Because you know. So that's why I, I know we've talked about Peterborough a lot on this show in the past few episodes, but I wouldn't go for Peterborough. I think they've picked up a lot of hidden gems in there. I, I know the likes of Sammy Schmuddocks has been at 
Bristol City, but he never played for Bristol City. He's a League Two player with Colchester. Ivan Tony, he's a player that was was he at Northampton a bit? He was at Newcastle not, United. Not Northampton, Newcastle. Was, then he spent a few spells on loan at other clubs. Yeah, he's, he's not he's not a big name. Yeah, he's a great player, but he's not he's not a big name. It's not the likes of the other teams. He's the league top scorer though, Tony. Yeah, of course. He, no, he's doing fantastic. But at the start of the season, I wouldn't have said he'd have been league top goal scorer. I'd have said Will Grigg would have been. Or the, I'd have arguably had Ben Woodburn, who's at Oxford. Will Will Grigg, of course, we touched on him there. Whatever, whatever, I just don't know what's happened to him, really. Sunderland wanted to offload him to teams in League 2 at the end of the transfer window. So <laughs> Salford made a bid for him. Bradford made a bid for him. Yeah. Strange, because... He's a fantastic player. Only two, three years ago, mm. it was all about Will Griggs on fire and he's doing tremendous things with the Latics um, at the DW Stadium. And now he can't get a game at Sunderland, which, fair enough, because he doesn't fit Phil Parkinson's sort of play. Mm. The, 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 it was a good win for them, wasn't it, against Norwich? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Ipswich, I mean, <laughs> I was, not I was, was going to say Norwich. Yeah, I got a bit. I was, was going to say, they played a cup game that no. I didn't know about. <laughs> but, um, no, uh, Phil Parkinson's... All of a sudden, got a fantastic thing going there at Sunderland. Sure, he didn't start well, but things have just clicked for them. Um, and uh, as you say, it's just a fantastic win against Ipswich. Even when you take their downfall into account. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that the selling of Aidan McGeady to Charlton Athletic is actually one of the main reasons Sunderland have had such a good festive season. Even though Aidan McGeady was a great player for them, don't get me wrong, but he didn't suit the style of football that Phil Parkinson wanted to play. No, he didn't He didn't suit it at all. And um, if what's been said about what he, was apparent, what he was apparently on at Sunderland, that's freed up a hell of a lot of money for them to spend elsewhere. I mean, £20,000 on a player in League One is just... Far too much money, mm. so that thankfully will free up a little bit of money for him to. Yeah, and we've we've when we've done League One, we've talked about the like the big boys: Blackpool, Sunderland, Ipswich, Peterborough. We've talked about Oxford as well. Um, but one team that always goes under the radar, and one their set of fans are always frustrated that they don't get talked about. It's Coventry City. Mm. They've gone twelve games unbeaten now, twelve games mm. without a loss in all competitions. Um, obviously excluding penalty knockouts. Yeah. Um, but that's 12 games now. How are they doing it? Because they don't even have a stadium to play at. They're playing at, they're playing at a stadium that isn't theirs. Mm. And Mark Robbins, he isn't renowned as one of the best managers to have. When he was appointed there, I don't think people were like, wow, he's going to take them up to the championship. But the fourth in the league, Coventry, they're on 51 points, they're two points off second. And they've got two games in hand on the top two. Three yeah. games in hand on the team above them, Peterborough. Yeah, um, it's almost, as you say, it's just almost unexplainable, really. But um, I think when you do look at their squad, they do have some, they do have a lot of players to watch out there. Uh, Matt Godden, he's uh, been someone that's come, that's emerged in the past couple of seasons, whether that be at Stevenage or as you guessed, Peterborough. <laughs> um, but no, he's, he was a smart signing for Coventry in the summer. Um, and you've got players like Liam Kelly, who, who've impressed at the likes of... Uh, who've impressed elsewhere. Um, and I think a lot of their squad does go unnoticed in terms of how good it really is. It does. I mean, your namesake, Liam Walsh, Coventry fans absolutely love him. He's... he's He's a young lad. I think he's only about 22, 23 years old. Central midfielder. And 
he's doing real good things there, and it, it you don't get hit, you don't hear him getting talked about. You hear Sammy Stramadix getting talked about. You hear you know other players getting talked about. You see Tariq Fosu Henry getting a move away. Mm. Where Liam Walsh, he doesn't get talked about, but Coventry fans love him. Yeah. And um, you, you can't blame him really with how fantastic he's been for this season. But one thing I do want to touch upon really is um, he's another player that was at Bristol City, mm. but just couldn't make that breakthrough there. And I think you have seen a lot of players there that have made that move, but it's just not worked out for them. Um, Mo Issa, um, Sammy Smodix, and now Liam Walsh. So Bailey Wright. Yeah, exactly. Someone now, isn't it? So I do think, although we are talking about League One, that method of bringing players through at Bristol City might need to be looked at because... You are, you do have a lot of quality players there that just Matty aren't. Taylor as well. Yeah, Matty Taylor as well. So I just don't get what's going on there for so many players to suddenly go there, not get games, and find themselves in League One. Yeah, it's like the process players like they churn them out, yeah. they bring them in, they bring them out. It's not like they keep a consistent eleven in. Um, yeah, it's a strange one. It's it's a, it's a strange one. It's like Lee Johnson has had some good bargains in that league you mm. know Josh Brown signing him from North End was proved to be a yep. astute signing um, the likes of Jududu is a good signing uh, but but then you get the likes of Marley Watkins who yeah. really hasn't had his breakthrough no. and Callum, Callum O'Dowda or Taylor Moe's now on loan at Blackpool it, it's it's like it's like his nickname Shrieky Lee it's like it runs through the players as well yeah um uh, it's, I don't know really. It's just um, again, like I said, they do need to look at how they uh, bring players through. Sure, mm. they do. Maybe you can almost go as far as saying they hold players from the lower divisions, and of course, some of them work. But you do have a lot of players again who are who just going there and aren't getting their chance, and six six months or a year's time find themselves in League One again. Yeah, it's uh, certainly a worrying trend for Bristol City. Um, we kind of went a bit off the top of there, so we're going to move back down to League Two now. Um, and we've had a few managerial sackings over the past few uh, weeks, and you weren't on the last lower league show. No, okay, you have so, to blame illness for that. So one. we we ran through the Gary Boyer one on our first episode about how you thought he should have gone, mm. and I was not a fan of it. And it seems like the board of Bradford sided with you. What were your thoughts on that? Um, it's never nice to see a manager out of work. Obviously, with Gary Bowie losing his job, but I think it's something that did have to happen. Um, the fans were completely against him. They, they had a very poor 3-0 loss away at Oldham in his final game, and I think after that it was just clear that he had to go. Then, of course, they brought back Stuart McCall for a third time. Um, right appointment. Definitely. I, I said at the time that they should bring Stuart McCall back. Mm. Um, he's just someone that brings that feel-good factor back to the club. Uh, he plays the attacking football that they've been crying out for all season. And you only have to look back at his second spell at the club to see just how fantastic of a manager he really is. Yeah, but then you compare, he was at Scunthorpe last year and it, he was mm. part of the downfall. Scunthorpe had a good side. Um I'll keep on the worry um, with Scunthorpe uh, United. They sat Paul Hurst as well, right second for you. I do think there might be something seriously wrong with Scunthorpe at the moment. As you said, they had a good side last season. They had a good manager in Stuart McCall last season. Still went down. Um, then they brought in 
an even better manager in Paul Hurst. Okay, it hadn't worked for him at Ipswich, but he'd shown at Shrewsbury and Grimsby just how talented of a manager he really is. So for him to go, just I don't know, it just suggests that something might not be right at that club. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, and it's, it, the owner has said that he's going to strip back from the money he's put into the club because he's put an awful lot of money mm. in it. When they were in League One, they wanted to go up. Yeah. I remember they sat Graham Alexander because they weren't happy with them. Fourth, fourth or sixth in the league mm. it was and they put Alan Dawes in charge uh, in a caretaker basis um, alongside Dawson. It's like he's now putting the youngsters in. Is that the right move? I know in League Two there's not too much of a risk because only two teams mm. go down and obviously this season only one goes down. But stripping the assets from Scunthorpe, has it not gone from you know having the mighty having the likes of Lee Novak, Rory McArdle in in their team, and then just putting more youth in? Is that the right move? If if then wanting to strip strip those assets back, then I think it is the move that they have to look at in the future. They need to look at maybe being a bit more self-sustainable, really. And if they can bring those youth players through, okay, some of them are going to be hit and miss, but. Some of the ones that work, you may be looking at selling on for good money. And if they can work from that money, then they can look at getting themselves back on the right track. But in the short term, that might not work out. So, again, it's like we were saying earlier, you need that blend of youth and experience. Yeah, you certainly do. Um, And one team that seemed to have a blend of youth and experience is Salford City. They've got the likes of Adam Rooney in the ranks, but they've also got the likes of Brandon Thomas Asante, Mm. youngsters as well. Um, It's one team that gets a lot of coverage, and probably rightly so with how extravagant of a club they are. I know you're not a massive fan of the way they've come about, but with the side they've got, and I know it's their, as a club, their first season in League Two, but should they be doing better than 11th? Would the owners, Gary Neville and the Class of 92, expected better from Graham Alexander? Um, I do think they want they want to get to the top as soon as possible and I think, given, I don't think that there's that much of a difference between League Two and, Na- and the National League in terms of skill at the moment. Uh, I do think the Class of 92 will have been looking at League Two as a league that they could have gone, out, gone up at, at the first attempt. Uh, they've certainly put the money in um, Richie Towell, for example, he really mm. impressed with Rotherham last season, but he's found himself on just a modest ten grand a week in League <laughs> Two. Um, so I think with the money they've spent and Jack expect- Baldwin as well, Jack Baldwin as well, he was another one that's been impressive at previous clubs. Mm. Um, and again, as we touched upon earlier, they're wanting to sign Will Grigg in League Two. Um, so I think they will have been they will have been wanting to do better. But I do think they will stick by great by, uh, by Alexander. Um, they showed showed in the previous documentary uh, that they like Graham Alexander as a person, as a manager, and I think they'll just see him as the figurehead for a long term project. Yeah, you can't fault their ambition. Um, certainly not. They want to go all the way up, but I don't think it's an unrealistic ambition that they they don't expect it to happen straight away. Um, I think they were expecting to. Obviously, when they were in like the Evo Stick Division One North, they were expecting yeah. to fire up straight away. I don't think throughout all of non-league, they were they were expecting that they could go up straight away. Obviously, they had a few stumbling points, such as when they lost in the Conference North playoffs to well Halifax. <laughs> um, but they uh, they fired themselves out of non-league almost immediately. Um, league Two, they can probably do that within the next season or two. 
then I think it's when they'll get to League One, they'll find themselves middle of the pack, maybe, maybe top half. Yeah, I, I had um, Salford as top of the league in my pre-season mm, predictions, yeah. and it, it might have been a bit naive of me, but just some of the fans that I've been speaking to, um, they don't like the way they're playing. Mm. They they seem to play a lot of long balls still. They seem to be playing your typical mm. yes. non-league football. Mm. Um, I've got a little stat here yeah. that, in terms of possession, they are joint lowest out of all the teams in League 2, uh, which is a stark contrast to the likes of Crew Alexandra, who are towards the top of the league, and they're playing some some wonderful stuff as well. Yeah. Um, do you think it's a style of football with the quality of players they have? Should they be playing better football as well? I think it's a case of Graham Alexandra sticking by what's worked for them in the past. Um, OK, they didn't make the easiest job of getting out of the National League last season, but... That style of football was what worked for them in terms of getting promoted, and it's again, it's just a case of him wanting to do what's worked in the past. Maybe he should maybe look at be trying to find a blend of that sort of long ball style of play and the uh, more desired passing style of play. Um, so who knows? Hmm. Um, let's move on to nationally. We've only got about two minutes to talk about this, but um, there's news coming out that Solihull Moors have appointed their new manager. Can you fill us in a bit, Lewis? Yeah, um, they've appointed Jimmy Shan, who some of you might recognise as West Brom's caretaker manager last season following the sacking of Darren Moore. He was, in fact, caretaker manager at Kidderminster Harriers. Um, did OK there in the short term. Uh, Solihull must have liked what they've seen. And, yeah, they've just sort of... Do you know what? Let's go for him. It's a surprising move, though. I mean, if he had got West Brom promoted last year, mm. would he have been appointed in the full time? Do you reckon? Quite possibly. West Brom have shown in the past that uh, they liked that they liked to promote with from within. Uh, we saw that with Darren Moore uh, in that Premier League season, and then but with them sticking by him, uh, that that didn't work out perfect perfectly. But they still gave him a chance, and I liked. I do like to think they would have given Jimmy Shan a chance if they had got promoted. So what do you think they've seen in, in Jimmy or James, whatever you want to call him, it, Shan, what do you think they've seen in him to appoint him as manager? Um, it's a bit of a gamble, isn't it? I think they've seen in him a manager who can turn around the dressing room. There were there were there was a suggestion that he might have that Tim Flowers might have lost the dressing room at Solihull. Um he'd shown that Kidderminster that he could turn around the dressing room. Uh so I think that that's just what they've seen and thought that's what they need to get the scene back on track. Just 68 days in charge of Kidderminster. I know it was an interim role, but mm. do you think Kidderminster will be disappointed? Yeah, they're, they're at the wrong end of the conference north table this mm. season. I think that'll be the last bit of news that they wanted. Um, in the reply to the tweet announcing his departure, there was a, few, there was a bit of um, abuse given towards the club. Um, so I think towards their fans, it'll just be the last thing that they want. Yeah, and can Jimmy Shan turn Solihull's fortunes around? Can they still finish in the playoffs? Can they still get promoted? Um, I think playoffs aren't, aren't unrealistic. Uh, two points up, off. Yeah, two points off, albeit with Knox County having a game in hand on them. But they are one of a number of sides that are able to put pressure on the playoffs at the moment, Dover being the other one. And so if Solihull can turn that turn their form around, then why not? 
Yeah, he's certainly going to have to turn their form around. Only one win in their last 13 games. A poor run of form for Solihull Moors. Anyway, that brings the end to our short little episode and podcast of the Lower League Show. Lewis, I'd like to thank you for being on the show once again. As, uh, yeah, we will be bringing that show to the end. But uh, make sure you tune in next week as we will be back on live on Press Hospital Radio with the Premier League Show and the Lower League Show. Thank you very much.